0: Hello, everybody, and welcome. I'm your host, Adam Rodericks, and today I am elated to welcome you to a special KPMG Bite series entitled The State of Crypto Assets. If you missed our first episodes, I encourage you to go back and check those out as well. Today, I'm joined by my esteemed colleagues in technology risk consulting, Mitch, Kareem, and Kunal. Welcome, everyone. Can we please start off with some very brief roundtable introductions? We'll start off with you, Mitch. Please let everybody know who you are and what you do with the firm.
1: Thanks Adam and it's a pleasure to be back. This is Mitchell Nicholson here and I've been with the firm for a few months and I'm trying to get involved with everything crypto possible.
2: Awesome, uh, it's uh, Kareem Sadek here. I'm a partner in our technology risk consulting practice and I co-lead our blockchain risk consulting practice uh, across Canada and uh, with Kunal and uh, a pleasure being with you
3: again, Adam. Hi Adam, nice to be back again. Uh, Kunal Vaseen, I'm a senior manager in our risk consulting practice, and I co-lead our blockchain and crypto asset efforts alongside Kareem. Fantastic. Once again, from me
0: to you, thank you so much. Look, I've seen the Outlook calendars. I know how busy you gentlemen are. So the fact that you're here to share your insights with our KPMG Podbytes listeners means the world to me. Kunal, as you know, up until this point, our series has looked at custody as it pertains to digital assets and virtual currency. But today, we're going to shift the focus on proof of reserves. To start, I've been trying to wrap my head around this for some time. Could you please explain what
3: proof of reserves are and how it applies to digital assets? for sure adam so proof of reserve is a concept that really enables uh trust in the whole crypto asset ecosystem so companies want to be able to show their users and their clients that they have more assets than they have liabilities that is you know they have enough on-chain crypto to cover their user liabilities so if i dig a b- bit deeper into this. So there are really two sides uh, for any crypto organizations that are providing services to its users. There's an asset side and then there's a liability side. And each side has its own ledger. So if you think about it, Bitcoin or other permissionless networks like Ethereum, there are they are all public ledgers where assets are held and can be accessed using the private keys. Now, companies also use an internal ledger or platform to manage or track the amount of Bitcoin on crypto they owe their users. So if there is deposit into the platform, that will show up on chain. However, if there is a transaction on the trading platform that doesn't necessarily show up on chain, that's just tracked in company's internal platform, which is generally a centralized database that's not shared or or open to others. So really, at, at the core of it, proof of reserve is really about ensuring that the liabilities that are recorded on these centralized databases match the assets that are stored in the entity's wallets on the blockchain.
0: That's interesting. It almost acts as a safeguard for organizations like crypto exchanges. Kareem, I know we've talked extensively and yet somehow this has never come up. Now, I know you wouldn't hold out on me. So does that mean that proof of reserves is a new concept? Is it something that only crypto exchanges need to worry about?
2: So maybe, uh it's not necessarily a new concept, but that there have been some changes and and let me try to clarify here. So quite a few exchanges did this back in in 2014, but then they stopped for some reason. Actually, maybe let let me rephrase that. I say they stopped for some reason, as as I think through it, as you asked me the question, I think it's that the reason it stopped is the customers or or the users haven't been actually asking for it, or the regulation hasn't been there to to justify it for a lot of these exchanges to actually do that. So, having said that, the trends back up in the right direction. We're seeing quite a few successful exchanges and custodians do the the proof of reserves again. So so we're going in the right direction. Um, and again, you talk about exchanges, so they are they're just sort of one type of entity that should do it. Um, we also have stablecoin issuers that are issuing token or digital assets that are backed one-to-one with a fiat denominated currency. So what's happening is the customer or institutional expectation uh, from such organizations is to be able to demonstrate that their assets on chain and in circulation are more than the liabilities. Like if you think about it, so the cash backing the stable coins minted, that's essentially what it is. So if you think about it, it really should be any firm that is custodying user, uh, user's crypto assets. Exchanges and stablecoin issuers are, are sort of like the primary examples, but if you think about it, there are other things like, like lending firms, asset managers and, and ETF issuers, which is new here in Canada, come to mind too.
0: Okay, got it. So. Kunal, I want to come back to you because Karim mentioned that proof of reserves is a trend that we're seeing an uptick in. Again, can you elaborate on the specific benefits an organization can expect by having a proof of
3: reserve? For sure. So I I just want to reiterate that blockchains are, are excellent accounting tools because, you know, the data is publicly accessible. It updates in real time and the veracity of the data is also guaranteed as the miners or, or validators constantly secure the network. Uh, the problem is that the liabilities data, uh, that is the assets owed to the users of the exchange or, or custodian or lender, they're not recorded on the blockchain. Hence, you know a proof of reserve, which involves an independent third party coming in and reviewing both the blockchain and the internal records to ensure that the entity has at least enough crypto assets To offset offset its liabilities and, you know, this is something that we're seeing an uptick in regulators also, you know, getting the hang of this concept and are looking to embed this as a requirement in their compliance processes. So. Wyoming is, as we all know, in the crypto asset ecosystem has taken a a huge lead uh, in in the regulatory on the regulatory front Um, and proof of reserve is part of their regulatory process as well. As we see more and more regulatory clarity emerge and regulators trying to further understand what the proof of reserve capabilities involve and the efforts involved as well, we'll see a lot more organizations. Continue to do that, and and starting to do that as well more and more. And you know, one of, another reason is it is a management best practice. It it really serves as their internal audit function for good operational hygiene. Management themselves they they would want to know that they have what they think they have, and and it also supports them in obtaining insurance and and better premiums for their insurance as well. That's excellent. Oh, yeah, go ahead, please.
1: Uh, thanks, Adam. Just to maybe add one third benefit, it's really about user confidence and, from the custodian's point of view, gaining a competitive edge over their peers. So, in Canada, we had Quadriga, which was a large Canadian exchange where many of its users ended up losing the majority of their assets held there. And during the period leading up to its demise, the prices on Quadriga were actually about 10% higher than other exchanges. And this really reflected a credit risk that as clients had trouble withdrawing from their assets from the platform. People demanded a higher premium in order to actually buy Bitcoin on that exchange and. Really, when thinking about a competitive advantage going forward. Having the ability to, to prove that all clients assets are backed by funds that are stored within the custodian. Is essential to winning their confidence and emerging as the leading custodian in the industry.
2: Fascinating.
0: Thank you, Mitch. Thank you. Kunal. I think we have time for 1 last question and perhaps it's 1 that our listeners would have appreciated that I had asked earlier in our discussion. But when it comes to proof of reserves,
3: what is the end product that a client receives and what can they do with it? So the end product um, is is really an independent accountant attestation report under the agreed upon procedures standard that's governed by AICPA or or CPA Canada, and this is not really a new standard. You know, industries have been relying upon AUP reports or agreed upon procedures report for quite some time now, and and what that shows is really that. Um, the organization for which you know we're doing the proof of reserve review uh, or, or attestation that they have more assets or equivalent assets on on chain um, as they have the liabilities on their internal books.
2: Yeah, and and maybe maybe if I can jump in here, Adam. So I started off when you asked me at the at the top of the the uh, the podcast just to say, like, how is how is this happening and or why is there, we're not seeing a lot of uh, proof of reserves or adoption happening. And I, maybe I'll end up with the same thing. I think it, it comes back to us as consumers. So you're saying, what's the benefit it comes to the client, but also for us to see more of these uh, adoption and clients actually doing these proof of reserves, I think it's the onus is on us on consumers is to ask for it, right? The more we ask for these things, the more we're gonna see a lot of these uh, exchanges, custodians, or, whatever it might be doing these proof of reserves. And again, like like Mitch mentioned, it is an advantage for them, but also it just gives com- comfort back to the consumers around that. So us being consumers, I'm going to call out on everybody, uh, all crypto asset lovers and believers out there to, to push for things like that, because we're going to see a lot more from the regulation standpoint. And we're only going to see more and more when it comes to proof of reserves.
3: And I love that, Karima, and I totally echo everything that you just said. Um, you know, the the traditional audit space that uh, one time a year or twice a year audit doesn't really doesn't really you know give that level of comfort when it comes to the crypto asset ecosystem and and the proof of reserve reviews. Are, are by nature as a best practice more frequently done than your, than your traditional attestation or audits. Um, just because of the nature of crypto assets, consumers would want to ensure that their liabilities are being accounted for when you, you're doing these proof of reserve attestations on, on a monthly basis or, or on a quarterly basis, just to demonstrate that The exchange or the organization is maintaining that balance and and it's not something that's coming onto their, their balance sheet just before an audit. That
0: sounds amazing. Unfortunately, we are out of time for today's episode. I wanna thank our three guests, Kareem, Mitch and Kunal for taking time out of their busy schedules to be with us in studio today. Join us next time on the KPMG in Canada's PodBite series on the current state of digital assets when we'll welcome back Mitch, Kunal and introduce Rebecca Ip, partner in KPMG's financial crimes practice for a discussion on AML compliance and crypto assets. Once again, I'm your host, Adam Rodericks and thank you so much for listening. Bye everybody.